diving into data. Diving, diving, data. Diving into data with T.C. Riley. Hello, hello, hello again, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Diving Into Data. I am your host, T.C. Riley. Today, have a very, very exciting episode for you folks. We are calling it Data as a Product. And even though this is an area I am familiar with and work a lot in, I have a very special guest joining me today that is going to help really illuminate and educate all of us on this topic. With me today is Ryan Frederick. For those of you who do not know Ryan, he is the principal at AWH, along with being a director, advisor, and chairman at numerous other organizations in this space. He has extensive experience starting and growing numerous software and service companies, including several that truly defined or started a category or space, not just building upon it, but really being a trailblazer in the area. And he specializes in being really a product builder and an analytics problem solver. Sounds like something we want to talk to here on Diving Into Data. Ryan, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And so I gave you a little intro there, but tell the folks at home a little bit more about yourself. Uh, give them a little deeper than uh, what I was able to provide there. Yeah, it's, it's one of those careers that you don't expect to really have because it's a career you know journey that is, is more opportunistic than strategic. Um, so joined a, a company really early on that it was a small business at the time because startup wasn't even in the lexicon. Um, and we, we were able to make that work. And then I identified a problem while I was in that company as part of that team and the investors that were uh, behind that company decided to back the, the new company that I wanted to start. And then the rest is sort of history in that it just became sort of recognition of problem and opportunity. And then, you know, assembling a team you know, to, to go after it. Um, two of the things went, went well, two of the things went um, moderately. Okay. And then two of them were abject failures. So I've also experienced every side of it working and not working and, and sort of everything in between. And um, it's, it's just the way that it goes that you can um, do a lot of things right and still have it not go well. You can also do a lot of things wrong and, and have it go well. So it is um, not for the faint of heart for sure. Um, and that's probably why my hair started turning gray when I was 26. And, you know, <laughs> n- now, you know, I could, I could, if they were looking for a skinny Santa Claus somewhere, at, you know, at Christmas time, I could, I could play the skinny Santa Claus. Hey, hey when we're talking about hair and, and having it, you know, do things younger than you anticipate, I fully understand that, as you can tell from the shiny dome on my end. Um, but uh, two things I want to call out there from what you said. So one, hey, two, 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 uh, two great, two okay, two not so great. Um, line I always use there is, Hey, in the MLB, you would be in the hall of fame first ballot. So no issue there with that one. Um, and the second one is, uh, I think you're being a little modest there that, you know, uh, had some things work out well, sir. I think you've worked incredibly hard and you're a brilliant guy and have, uh, pushed you and your teams to do some incredible things, which has, um, you know, we'll call it created some of that luck and some of the things that hit, but, um, excellent point that yes, sometimes you do everything you should do. And it still doesn't work. Sometimes you do everything you shouldn't do and it ends up working anyway. And, uh, hey, hey, you take that and you roll with it and you do what you can with that. So, um, awesome. Well, thank you, Ryan, very much. Um, again, our title today, folks, is data as a product. Really what we're going to be diving into, um, is the value of data itself as a product for companies. Something that, uh, I've touched on maybe a couple times in the past on our show, but really it's something I think that is, 
I don't know what to call it underreported on, um, but it's overlooked, I think, by a lot of companies. It's not something that inherently become it comes as obvious to folks as using data internally, which I think over the last 10, 15 years, we've seen a lot more companies appreciate, understand, invest in data internally. But when we're really thinking about that, I bet 99% of you are thinking, how am I going to use this to make my sales team better or my operation line better or identify better target markets or things like that? You're not thinking of the inherent value of data itself um, and really trying to understand why this is overlooked as companies. So uh, right off the bat, um, and you're an expert at this, so if you were to introduce data as a product to maybe, let's say, a company or a board or an executive um, or just anyone out there who isn't as familiar with this data as a product idea, how would you kind of summarize it for folks maybe not in the data world who aren't familiar with this? Yeah, I think the easiest place to start is to give people some reference points that they commonly know and are aware of, um, but don't necessarily think of them as data companies. Uh, Facebook is a data company, right? Uber is a data company. E-Trade is a data company. You can sort of go industry by industry by industry and the biggest players from a software product perspective in those industries are really data companies because software is plumbing for data right and so that's sort of the evolution that we've gone through now is is um and there's there's a uh, i spend most of my time in columbus and there's a company here a sort of a new generation of auto insurance company called root and they went they ipo'd and you know they're they're you know worth of you know a couple of billion dollars now after the ipo and so i know the founding team there uh and my product firm has done a little bit of work with them um and they're a data company Right now, they go to market as a new sort of generation, a new type of auto insurance company. But what allows them to do that is the fact that they're a data company that looks at the data behind insuring you know, a policy and a driver differently than the way that legacy insurance companies leverage the data, use the data, what data they care about, how they prioritize the data, et cetera. So, um, the easiest way to sort of reference it is just to say almost every software product company that you can think of at the heart of the company, they're really a data company. The software is what you interface with and what you use to then access the data and for them to get, to gather more data about you and in the aggregate. But they're really data companies at their soul. They just have to have software for you to interact with the data and for them to get your data to make your experience better. Yep. I think that's a great point. I'm going to touch on that root one further. I think that's a great one. I actually literally last time my insurance was up for renewal, um, I read about them. I was like, hey, I'll download the app. They have you drive for about a month, I think, give or take. They collect all this data on you and they provide you this very customized, tailored policy. Um, in, in my personal case, I'm selfish. It helped me get a lower rate out of my existing uh, agency. But um, I thought it was so unique because it really... I'm not going to say it's flipping insurance on its head. At the end of the day, it's the insurance industry is probably the insurance industry, but the way they're going about it as a company is so unique. It's very different than if you were to call, let's say, you know, Allstate, State Farm, the ones you probably first think of that pop into your head, the amount of information they capture and how they try to get that information to kind of uh, build your profile, your risk profile potentially and all that. Um, 
I think it's so interesting that Root has taken this completely different approach, but you're absolutely right when you reference some of those big companies that people do not think of as data companies. You say Facebook to most people, well, no, they're a social media company. Um, sure, that, as you mentioned, they are on, that's how they package it and that's how they get users, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, they are a data company. Um, same thing with E-Trade, as you mentioned. And there's a, there's a lot of other examples there. Um, uh, any other examples that you can think of just right off the top of your head that that are... Because I think that really illuminates it for people of thinking about the companies that are data companies they didn't realize were data companies. Yeah, I think some of them that, that maybe are a little bit more top of mind or at least are easier for people to connect the dots around are like Google and Amazon, right? Um, Google can only be a good search engine if it's a good data company. Uh, Amazon can only be good at selling, you know, as many products as they, as they sell and making good product recommendations. And even we can then take it into the area of sort of machine learning and AI that machine learning and AI only exist and only are effective you implement machine learning and AI because machine learning and AI are nothing without the data and the algorithms and the models that feed those particular engines and use of data. So Amazon, you know, started out as an e-commerce company, right? It was certainly in the, in the early days selling books. I would argue now that Amazon is as good a data company as there is in the world. And it's not just their e-commerce platform. It's also the Echo and their and Alexa and their ability now to leverage AI machine learning and to create different user interfaces and to do some even predictive things that are all based upon data and the ability to leverage that data in smart, meaningful ways. And, and so maybe those are even examples that are closer to people's hearts because most people have done a Google search and, you know, most people have bought something on Amazon these days. I would argue most of the people have done that today, if you're anything like, you know, most of us. So, uh, yeah, no, great point. Actually, I, I'm going to go off script a little bit here and dive in more on that Amazon one because I think that's such a good point that, yes, uh, yeah, they started an e-commerce bookstore, whatever you want to call it. Um, but Amazon has really, in every medium, owned what it means to be a data company. Um, because even though you mentioned, yes, obviously their e-commerce side enables tons of information, tons of data capture um, that they're able to utilize. But as you mentioned, the echoes and the dot, the other components that they have, the other smart devices in their ecosystem are another great one. Um, and they've even built an entire business unit that's probably the world leader now in AWS around data storage and management. So um, what do you think specifically has, uh, besides just a, a great vision, um, a little luck, um, a good CEO, you know, say what you will about Bezos, guy knows how to run a company, ain't no doubt about that. Um, what do you think Amazon has done so well to Maybe you can almost say be ahead of the curve a little bit on this. Companies like Amazon and Google that have, you know, are so, I mentioned people have used them probably today. They're, they're synonymous with life now in our daily lives. How have they enabled, how has the use of data, I should say, enabled those companies to become an ingrained part of our everyday process? Well, I think there was an acknowledgement by those two in particular really early on that they were data companies. And that the other and the way that they sort of distributed and, and allowed people to consume data and how data supported their products um, was um, an early awareness. And then they got very intentional about it. 
And I think they also have then experimented well with, well, what, what's the applicability of the data footprint that we now have and that we know about our customers in aggregate and, and individual users and individual customers. Um, you know, the, the fire phone for Amazon was a disaster, but um, Alexa came out of that. Right. And so then that meant a whole other series of products. And, you know, one of the things that I think is really not as well understood as it should be is that every IOT company, and you can now include Google and Amazon as IOT companies because they have physical you know, devices and products that we leverage, but every IOT company at its heart is a data company and the, and the hardware component of the company is sort of the razor razor blade thing, right. Of, of, you know, years gone by uh, where the hardware piece is just a mechanism for you to be able to collect data about a particular consumer and about their particular habits and about their, their, their sort of, the inner workings of how they conduct themselves. Um, and it's the, what you then do with the data that matters way more than the fact that you've now got a device in their, in their home or their office or their car or what have you. Um, and so it's the it's a piece that's lost about IOT because most people think IOT is about what well, you've got to build this piece of hardware that everybody, that everybody wants. That's true. But in really great IOT examples, the hardware sort of falls in, in, into the background and like fades away, right? Because you don't even think about the fact that I've got a sensor on my wall for, as part of my security system, but the data is what makes it all work because the hardware eventually just sort of fades into the background. Um, so I, I think that, there's this evolution that companies go through that they start out thinking that they're a software company or a hardware company. And then what they realize at a certain point is my goodness, none of this really works well without us being a world-class data company. And so at, at our core, we're really a world-class data company. And then do we have to be good at software and good at hardware and good at the other things? Yes. But if we don't get the data piece right, and we're not a world-class data company the other stuff doesn't matter yeah i think that's an excellent point because yeah how value is the entire alexa line and all the echoes and stuff like that how valuable is that to amazon if they're not able to capture standardize and use that information um that's an excellent excellent point um and i think uh, what you're touching on the iot world is is incredibly um uh, that should be as obvious as it can be. Uh, you know, I guess you could say, um, I don't think it's the only, only, only industry that necessarily is impacted by this. Um, and I will dive into that more in a second. Um, but to circle back on one other point that you made, do you think that, um, and I think maybe you kind of hinted at this answer. It's not inherent that all these software and hardware companies, um, always start out with data as the mindset. I think we could probably go back and look at some specific case studies where folks um, didn't realize at all. And some of them caught on real early that they're actually a data company um, and they, they lend into that. They, they really believe that they owned it. Um, they utilized it. And you can see lots of examples where you might think, wow, that should have been a great software hardware. Um, maybe something else came up in the market a couple years later that maybe is even an inferior product, but it's not what we're using today. Um, do you think that, if you're starting, because you advise so many small businesses, I think it's a great question for you, Ron, is that 
Do you think this is something that more people are going to have to realize early on in order to really capitalize on this and make it happen and be able to to own and grow as a data company? Or are you kind of of the opinion that it's never too late to, to you know, to to wake up to that, to come to that realization that you're a data company? Um, how important, I guess, is what I'm asking. Is this early in the process for a company versus something that there's no time like the present? If you haven't done it, then do it now. Yeah, I think it's critically important early on now. Um, and it, it, it's um, Root's another good case story around this because Root, in their early days, they were converting a very small percentage of the people that downloaded the app to get a policy quote. And what they realized was people were getting hung up at the stage where they had to cancel their existing car insurance. So what root and and the only way that they could tell that that's where people were getting hung up is because through the the data that that's where people were getting hung up. So it's in now it's impossible to build a successful software product. If you don't have the analytics baked into the product from the beginning and you're not paying attention to that data and you're not and, and you're not paying attention to where are the friction points for your customers and users in the use of the product that you can really only elicit by looking at the data because customers and users, when they're using a software product, they will tell you one thing about the way that they want to use the product and what they think they're going to value. And then when they get into the product and they actually start using it, their use speaks way louder than their words. Right. And so, and so the only way to know whether you have alignment between what users said they would like and what they would use versus what they're actually doing is to be able to look at the data. And so it's another reason that Root is a data company because Root was able to tell they had a significant macro friction point in their ex- user experience that was causing policyholders not to actually become, or potential policyholders from becoming policyholders. The only way they could tell that was in the data. And so data is not just a sort of single layered, single view um, aspect of a company and a product either, right? There are lots of different lenses into the data footprint of a company. Some of them are data that you're going to monetize in some way. Some are data that make you more operationally efficient. Some of them make you more aware of who your customer is or your user is. And some uh, aspects of the data are going to make your product and user experience better so that you remove move friction, like was the case with root. And, and, and so that's why I think companies need to take data being a world-class data company and their data footprint seriously from the beginning, because it's now sort of not optional. It's almost like a ticket to the game that if you don't understand whether your data footprint and what, and, and being a good data company, then I, I think it does cross a line can companies recover and can their products recover? Yes, but you do cross a line that I do think it's um, irrecoverable and you do cross a line where you, you're going to get to a point where you can't now go back and retrofit being a good data company into what you were doing effectively enough for it not to be this weird Frankenstein thing that I do think you cross a line that you can't recover from. I think that's a great point. Yeah, it's gone from a competitive advantage to table stakes. It's become something that if you're going to operate in this space, you have to be building around. And one thing, um, a lot of our audience in the B2B space, something we see typically is that 
Um, I'm generalizing here, obviously, but that B2B companies tend to be, frankly, a little bit behind the curve sometimes. You know, things are tested out more in the B2C and the consumer market um, and then kind of, you know, work their way, you either say down or up the chain, however you want to look at it. Um, to the B2B space. Um, and there's a lot of companies out there, frankly, I think even the B2B who might be like, oh yeah, no, we embrace data. We are a data company, but their idea of data is still entirely reliant on, we'll call it, you know, like an NPS score, um, some type of survey, some type of touch point they have with a client. And to your point with Root, I think that's an amazing point that it's not just at what Root asked their customers. Maybe I'm sure they got that feedback if they asked people, you know, hey, what is the hang up? Why aren't you converting? It's going to be a number of things and it's going to bleed into, well, the cost or the, you know, I don't know if I want a mobile app, you know, to do insurance. I kind of like having an agent. They're going to get lots of answers, but by having that ecosystem in place, they are able to actually see in the macro data that no, really our biggest single point here is telling people they need to cancel their current one in order to move forward with us. That That's really where our friction point is. Um, so I would encourage any B2B companies out there listening to this to definitely, um, don't think that a, you know, a, a post-event survey, for lack of a better term, or, you know, these one-time, one-off touch, customer touch points that you have um, are sufficient, even though that might be common in your industry. Um, really think about what ways throughout this entire process, even if you're not SaaS-based or software-based, what other additional points can you capture? Um, which opens up another interesting question, uh, question Ryan. Um, we talked about, obviously, this, the software and SaaS space is the most applicable to this. You mentioned the IoT space, which is absolutely very applicable to this. Are there any other in- industries that you really think kind of stand out to you as um, this isn't just you know feasible, but this, this should be the go-to for these companies owning being a data company? Any other industries out there? Yeah, I think every industry now is being taken over by data, right? I mean, 20 years ago, software started eating the world in, in the last 10 years, probably longer than that. Uh, but just for the sake of you know conversation, let's just say the last 10 years, data is now eating the world, right? Yep. And so, and there are some industries that are frankly way behind that are trying to play catch up and it's not easy to play catch up sort of to your question around if you're building a new product in a new company, do you have to be data, you know, proficient from the beginning. I think you do, because if you look at places like healthcare who are trying to play mad catch up now around, around data, because in the past healthcare has been very, um, not only data, not as a product, but data as almost a protected, um, you know, third class, um, you know, component to patient care, maybe even lower than that, maybe 12th class, right. You know, um, (laughs) because, you know, you, you've got a weird dynamic in healthcare, right. Of, of physicians who have done a lot of training, got a lot of education, who get a lot of continuing education around their craft and their profession. And they, they've historically not wanted to be super data driven, and, and then you've got all the regulatory compliance protectionism around uh, healthcare data, which everybody gets. I don't think anybody it, it argues against, well, you know, just, you know, free up all of the patient data and make it available to anybody on the internet. Uh, I don't think anybody, you know, you know, who's sane and who hasn't consumed an, an, uh, an overabundance of bourbon thinks that that's a good <laughs> idea. But there's a there's a balance there, right? It's, you know, in an industry like healthcare, that clearly data as a product in healthcare is coming, 
it's it's probably a decade overdue, if not more. Um, same things happening in financial services, right? I mean, they're the large banks are are, are you know building moats, right? Because they know that that what's really happening and, and going to continue to happen in their business is that the data that they've collected, they've mostly used for their own internal purposes the new sort of digital banks and the new digital platforms, you know, we had the whole thing with, with Robin hood around the GameStop stuff. The, the only reason that Robin hood had to, um, sort of halt right and sort of cease operations was they were not trying to make a political statement. They were not trying to make a statement about whether GameStop was good or bad or whatever. They were about to get out of regulatory compliance because they didn't have enough funds. If everybody then sold right to then be able to uh, liquidate properly. And so um, there are challenges in that space, right? But, the the new financial services companies are data companies different than traditional banks have been data companies. Traditional banks have used data to their advantage. The new bank financial services companies are using data to a consumer's advantage, right? Which I think is is interesting and in, and in, in why they're they're coming for the for the big banks because they approach they approach data differently. Um, and I think that's good because I think the data has long been used by a lot of big banks in a very sort of monopolistic and, and, and almost consumer punishing perspective where the new digital bank companies are, are saying, we're going to give, we're going to empower you with more data so you can do more things. You can manage your money better. You can manage it easier. You can make better informed decisions because we're not going to make money off of overdrafts and, and stuff like that, which is seems um, a, a, almost punitive, right? To consumers. So I think financial services and healthcare are two industries that data as a product has been known for a long time, but it's been used in a protectionist way by the players in those industries. And I think the script is about to flip where the data is now going to be leveraged by companies to empower consumers more than the holders and the gatherers of data who have held on to it, protect it to protect their fiefdoms. And I think those days are, are soon going to be over. I think that's a great point that consumer expectations have also really changed is where we've become very, very familiar with the Amazons and Googles of the world, data companies and, you know, freely, uh, you know, companies that freely admit that they are data companies. Um, uh, when you look at the, we'll use that banking use case that you mentioned. Um, those traditional banks uh, have, have, uh, as someone who had a background in financial compliance, that's where the industry I was in before I came over to market scale, actually. Yeah, I can tell you that they, they don't have, um, even always the best internal books and, you know, the best and in clean internal data, much less caring about worrying about understanding the value of that data back to their consumers. Um, and I think that as consumer expectations have really changed in a lot of different industries, it's bleeding over into like your bank of, Hey, why am I still doing this when there are companies out there that are leveraging this to empower me, um, to make better decisions, to understand, um, more where my money is going, how I'm earning it, this, that, and the other thing, everything that comes with, and we're just talking about, you know, personal bank accounts. You could obviously translate this up the ladder to more of the commercial side of things. Um, and one other point I'll mention, I think great point on the, um, Robin hood component. 
that yes, there are still regulations. Don't tell the folks on Wall Street bets that they're just convinced that Robin Hood was in cahoots with people and it wasn't anything else besides that. Um, but, uh, uh, it's an excellent point, even as we dive into the healthcare that yes, while no people are saying yes, everyone should have access to every piece of healthcare data for every individual. No, there are, you know, HIPAA is a thing for a reason and it should be. Um, again, not that much burden today. I'm not going to go that far. Um, but it, uh, it is an absolutely good point that, Healthcare companies that are trying to, you're almost at a disadvantage if you're from that traditional structure because you are trying to play this catch up game. You're trying to fit this, these new models into an existing infrastructure that doesn't always play nice um, with this compared to the companies that have been able to either just, there's frankly newer, they've, you know, they've been able to do this from the start or they found ways to hit the proverbial reset button to where they're able to um, do a little bit more. Uh, with this data right off the bat. Yeah, because in healthcare, in healthcare um, th- there is, you know, the pushes for um, outcomes, better outcomes, improved outcomes, so, you know, faster outcomes. The, the ability to drive to better, faster, sooner patient outcomes is all about data, right? It's what's working, what's not working, what's been tried, what hasn't been tried. Right. And that should not just reside in a, an EMR system, which is, you know, what, what hospital Mm -hmm. systems used to run their operations and it shouldn't reside in a caregiver's head. Right. And, and, and that's all about data. So healthcare, because we're moving toward an outcome-based healthcare system, which we always should have been headed toward, right? But now the only way to get there, right, is to leverage data better and properly inside of healthcare than ever has been done before. Um, and then, you know, if we want to look, talk about another industry that is absolutely data-centric and, and leveraged and can't exist without it, it's crypto, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Crypto runs on top of blockchain. Blockchain, by very definition, is a framework for connecting data dots together and validating those data, you know, those data points. So, you know, we we now have a currency, right, and currencies, right, that are based upon data and making sense of and leveraging random data points that then can be brought together to say, yep, this is a trusted transaction. Right. And, you know, mining right in crypto is all about data crunching. Now, there's a downside to it because we are about to consume more energy for the mining of of crypto than, you know, whole industries have used right from an energy perspective, you know, to, to operate. So. It's not like being a, a, a data economy and being a good data company and data as a product doesn't have downsides. There are downsides that we don't yet completely understand and we don't yet know what we're going to do you know, about. But um, there are whole industries popping up that are basically you know, facilitated by data. And I think we're just going to continue to see that happen. Yep, I think that crypto is an excellent point. How that's a it's it's a it's a new industry that's an evolution of an old industry that is probably viewed by some very strongly as there's nothing wrong with it. But you, the energy consumption component you brought up is that there's always additional factors in here. Um, and something else that just kind of popped in my mind as you're saying crypto, and we're talking healthcare, and we're talking financial services and data um, of what we've seen in the world. It is something that um, it's surprising how much regulation is kind of weaving its way. Um, through a lot of these components, because people think about data privacy and data regulations. They hear a lot about that. You hear on the news about, 
you know, Apple and Facebook and Apple's the good guy this week and Facebook's the bad guy um, or, you know, whatever the case may be. And uh, we know about GDPR, you've heard these terms, but um, I'm also very curious to see as we go forward, how governments either regulate or enable or support, or, you know, you can go many different ways here. Um, this data as a product mentality um, when it comes to these larger scale issues. Obviously, there's plenty of things you can do within a, co- a company specifically, but when we're talking in more you know, global or industry standards. Um, again, I'm going to go back to your healthcare point because I think it illuminates it so well that, yeah, we should be outcome driven. That should be the, if there's any industry that was ever incredibly clear that, you know, the the single biggest goal and focus here should be better care for patients and helping people get healthy and live longer, just to put it incredibly simply, healthcare would be it. And data obviously feeds into that, but it does create this kind of unique space where as we have all this additional information um, in many, many, many different areas, we start to see it um, kind of bleed in with the, I'll call it the legal side um, and some of the challenges there. Um, do you have any thoughts on where, uh, again, uh, it's, an, it's an incredibly broad topic. We could have an entire episode just on this alone, but a- any thoughts on where data regulation as it relates to some of these industries we've mentioned is going to go in the coming years? Yeah, it's going it, to, it, it's going to be complicated for sure. Um, because data as a product, you know, across a, a variety of industries has lots of, of components and layers and challenges to it. Um, if, if, and, and, you know, there are ethical considerations, um, just because you can collect somebody's data, you know, doesn't mean that you should just because you can monetize some data that you've collected doesn't mean that you should, um, just because you combine, you know, disparate sets of data together doesn't mean that you should. So that there are lots of ethical governance, regulatory, um, layers to this that we're just, you know, frankly, in the the first batter or the first inning of figuring it out. Um, and, and so people smarter than me are going to have to, you know, figure out, you know, that's, you know, that stuff and, and how do we regulate it, but regulate it in a way that doesn't stifle it and regulate it in a way that supports the proper use and, and the, um, the best sort of gain from a, con- a consumer corporate and societal perspective around it. Um, protectionism isn't, it clearly isn't the right way to go because we've done that in healthcare and that's happened in financial services. And I think the, the um, that's that's benefited um, you know the companies you know mostly. Um, I think that that you know as we think about you know the consumerization of data, um, I think that we've just got to look at it through a different lens, and and to some degree not think about what's happened and, and a sunk cost mindset around, well, this is, this is where it's been. And this is where we're coming from. I almost think you have to think about it, not encumbered by the legacy, you know, perspectives, but what's the right way, you know, to sort of govern, regulate and protect healthcare data it, it moving forward, not what's been done. Same thing for, you know, financial services and other things. And, and obviously as, as, you know, we become more data dependent and, and data as a product continues its you know upward trajectory, cybersecurity and, and the protection of the data and all of that's going to continue to be, you know, a, a race. Um, 
to figure out how to do that well and properly as well. I mean, you know, I can already already see that there are some things where there's huge conflicts. I mean, the fact that, you know, in some, you know, some apps, you know, it, it, it takes me, you know, three, you know, layers of security to get through, to get into the app. And it, and it's like, Hmm, we've now maybe jumped the shark a little bit in some of this, because then people will just decide not to engage with data as a product because it's too hard to get into it, to access it and to leverage it and to make decisions about it. So how do we protect it, still make it easy for a, cons- a consumer to use a data as a product and, and make the appropriate sort of, you know, decisions around everything doesn't have to be Fort Knox. There's some aspects of data that need to be more protected than others. And I don't think that we've quite figured out what that, what those layers are, because it feels like now we, 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 we've gotten scared with data as a product. So now we're putting as many locks on it as we can without then thinking really about, okay, well, this user is only trying to get to this data that actually would be fine with just two, you know, two factor authentication versus, you know, three or four factor authentication to get to other types of data. So we've also as product data as a product is sort of mushroomed. We've also not really figured out the accessibility security component of it as fast as we probably should have. That's probably understandable because the data eating the world and data as a product has has progressed so fast compared to the infrastructure around it. Yeah, that's a great point. And yeah, I think it's apt to say we've kind of overshot and undershot the runway at different points in this process. Um, and that's that's natural for when you have something that is accelerating at this pace and growing at this pace. Um, but it is critical, as you mentioned, to to, to find that sweet spot to where you're not going to prevent the data capture or whether it's from a user perspective or just from a global architecture perspective, but you're also not going to go to a level. Um, when you look at specific use cases, I'll keep going back to healthcare that, you know, that there does need to be some level of um, security there. So I, I think that's a great point. And um, as you mentioned, I know there's some really smart folks out there that are working incredibly hard on these problems. Um, but I would encourage or, you know, venture that probably more of us need to be um, more of us need to be thinking about stuff like this and that there's probably a lot of opportunity um, for those data as a product companies that we're trying to kind of speak to today um, to keep that at the forefront of their mind too. not just what you should be doing from a capture perspective, not just what you should be doing from a um, tapping into the value of this data, but also really thinking about um, the security, the privacy, the cybersecurity around this data, um, and not always just going to the place of, well, lock everything up as much as possible, make it as difficult as possible behind, you know, as many, uh, uh, theoretical walls as possible. There are times and places for that, but it's not a one size fits all, um, when it comes to being able to abstract the maximum value from all the things that we're able to capture. Um, and so as we go along with this, and actually that's uh, this kind of relates to the next question I have for you is because as we've thought about this, and I know I've talked about this topic in the past with various clients or folks just from, you know, uh, professional networking and all who seem very hesitant. I think part of it actually might be tied to the security component. There's this thought that like we don't want to get into capturing too much data or you're trying to worry about that because, man, there's a lot of risk that comes with that. There, we had to figure out a lot of data security practices and retention policies. And these, we just, we don't do these things right now. So I don't know 
what to make of this, but what would your general kind of advice be if someone who's been incredibly successful in this space, not only with your ventures, but with those that you've helped in this space, what would your guidance be to them on the folks that say, well, this doesn't really apply to us. Maybe we do have a product technology, whatever it is that you might say, Ryan, you know, fits in this data as a product category and that we're a data company, but I don't know. I just don't think this applies to us. What would your advice be to kind of help that person see past that or break free of those shackles? Yeah, I think, and this is a little bit of an, an overstatement and it's a little sort of grandiose, but I think every company now needs to see themselves as both a software company and a data company. Um, and I, I think w- w- what often happens, and you alluded to this, to this a little bit, most, uh, most companies, especially B2B companies, well, that's not even true of B2C companies too, because I talk to a lot of, a lot of banks and insurance companies and they either, they, they tend to go from n- not being that data capable to then being, oh, oh, we need to collect and capture everything. And then we need to lock it down. Like it's Fort Knox. And there's like, there's like no middle ground, right? They're either data sort of incapable, or then they, they put this data infrastructure in place that is incredibly robust, but then they also don't do anything with it. Right. And so I think companies need to be really mindful of it's not an all or nothing and that there are later layers to being a good data company and to being a good data as a product company. Um, and, and you need to figure out where, where those problem statements, where those friction points that you can leverage data to then have a good data product in the grander scheme of the enterprise. And it it doesn't have to be all or nothing because right now I still see a lot of all or nothing. Um, and, and you've got companies that are capturing just millions and millions of rows of data. And then when you say, well, what are you doing with it? The response often is, well, not a lot. And it's like, well, what are you capturing all the data for? Well, we thought it would be good to start capturing it because at some point we figure we're going to start doing something with it. And it's like, uh, okay, let's back off from that. You probably don't need to be capturing all of that because if it's, if it's not tied to solving some particular problem or improving the customer experience, right now you're capturing data just for the sake of capturing it. And, and you're, you have this data infra- infrastructure that makes you feel good about having data infrastructure. But it, I think data as a product inside of that label it also means that you're intentional about what data you're capturing, how you're going how you're using it and to what end you're using it for. Right. And so I think data as a product can even be used by companies internally to say, we have a problem. We think this problem could be solved by better data implementation. So what's, what's our productization of data to solve this problem. And I think, um, a lot of companies, um, just sort of are either, well, we've been data, not very good at data. So now we're going to be exceptional at data. And then they sort of pass over the problem part, sort of identification of why they want to start capturing data. And they just start capturing a bunch of data. Yep. I, I love that. Something I've actually had talked about a lot on the show before is that, um, attacking everything, uh, I call it, you know, the, the scientific method, having the, the hypothesis, having an identified problem that you want to work towards because then that data overload is a thing. Companies invest a ton of time, money, 
um, resources into, yeah, well, we haven't been good in the past and we got the new ex-employee department, board member, whoever that really likes data. So now we're going to capture everything. Um, and they don't take the time to think, how much are we investing and what are we all doing in order to make this feasible, especially in places where it's just never going to impact your business? I, I've heard these stories of, yeah, well, you know, wearing it like a badge, as you mentioned, we have X, you know, million or billion rows of data captured and great. Like, what are you doing with that? And it's okay sometimes to say, well, we're not, we haven't actively done a ton yet. We don't think we have a sufficient sample size. I'd question what you need billions of rows of data for. That's not enough of a sample size, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but what are you great? How are you going to solve this problem? Well, our real problem is X. Okay. Well, what data do you have around X? Well, not much. We spent all of our time capturing all these accessory data points that don't actually do. And okay, guys, what are, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, I, hey, I appreciate you know it's it's better to do something than nothing. You know, the whole take ten x action kind of approach. And you know, there's something to say for that. But you also can do this logically in a smart way where yeah, you don't go too far and you don't end up missing some of these massive data opportunities you have just again for the sake of saying. Yes, we're capturing everything we possibly can. Yeah, sometimes I think it's good. Sometimes I think it, it can be incredibly detrimental because I think that if a company is now capturing a bunch of data, but they don't know what they're really doing with it, and they've not sort of thought about it as, as data as a product to solve a specific out problem or to, to drive to a, a particular outcome, then it, it, it becomes a crutch. Because then they're sort of, you know, they wear the badge right of honor that we now have this incredible data infrastructure, but the objective is not to have an incredible data infrastructure, right? The, the objective is to how are we going to solve problems, make our business better, have our customer experience be better, et cetera. Um, that is on top of data, but the objective is not to have a world-class data infrastructure because ultimately that isn't worth anything if it doesn't drive better outcomes and solve problems right inside the business or for customers. And I see a lot of companies patting themselves on the back and others on the back because they have these incredible data infrastructures. And then you look at their stock price and the stock price is down 30%. And it's like, okay, you, you spent a gazillion dollars spinning up this, this, this incredible data infrastructure and it's made zero difference to the business. You know, if that happens, that means you're looking at the data infrastructure as like the end game. That's not the end game. That's not data as a product. That's data as an infrastructure that, that has very little value ultimately. I think that's an excellent point. You're, you're absolutely right about companies kind of using that as a crutch and, and not extracting the value because yeah, and I think maybe that what you said at the end there most succinctly describes it. If your end goal is the infrastructure and to say that you are capturing all this, you you've probably already lost. You've probably already completely missed the point here because you have not thought about the business case. Because at the end of the day, yeah, there's still this disconnect I think in a lot of people's mind between what data should do or you know what their perception of data is and whether it's data as a product or any type of data they have. And then what the actual business outcomes are. It's things people overlook far too often when if we didn't throw the word data in there, there's almost nothing else you could take to a board or a, you know, a suite of executives and say, I want to make these investments in this thing. Well, what's like the 
specific business outcome? What problem are you solving? What efficiency are you gaining? What opportunity are you creating? And you say, well, I have no idea. I just, I, I think that like, you know, if we installed XYZ in the factory, I really think that it would, you know, it would help, help what? And it is kind of a unique space. So that, that's a great point that, uh, don't use it as a crutch. The fact that you have this incredible infrastructure, um, because if you're not truly solving problems, you're not actually using data. You're just capturing numbers. Yeah. And I think it, it, it I think if there's an analogy, it's, it, you wouldn't go to your board or your, you know, your, you know, directors and say, um, you know, I want to build a building and they would say, okay, well, why do you want to build a building? And if it's, well, you know, uh, we need another building. Right. But that's, that's what happens a lot with data infrastructure, right? It's, it's, it's like, Oh, we need, we, we need more horsepower around our data engine and our data infrastructure. And, and because it seems like it, that's true, then, you know, lots of energy and effort goes into building these really robust data infrastructures. And then companies look back and boards look back five years and are like, well, have we gotten a return on all this investment we've made in a better data infrastructure? And if they're honest with themselves, in a lot of cases, they've either gotten very little return or no return at all because they didn't start where it should start, which is data as a product to solve a problem or capitalize on an opportunity. And, I think data as a product isn't just for startups and cool, you know, app companies. I think data as a product is a mentality that any company can use to say, if we think about data as a product, how would we determine whether we're going to, you know, take on that initiative and, and build that product and how are we going to know what success looks like? Right. And a success isn't just, you wouldn't build a software product just to say, we want another piece of software. Well, you shouldn't stand up a data infrastructure just so you have a data infrastructure. I, I think that's an excellent point. Absolutely. And that I think perfectly leads in since, yeah, you, you obviously understanding this data as a product as we get back around to as we started there, um, uh, the, the, the actual value, the functional value of it and how you should be using it. Um, from someone who is an expert like yourselves, again, I don't, I don't get a lot of guests on here with as much experience, um, in this space as you have. So I would love for you to know and be able to share with our listeners. Um, all right, I'm a company, uh, Ryan, I hear you. I think you're absolutely right. I think that my company, even in why industry that I've never really thought about data as a product before, or what this even, you know, fully means. Um, I, I do think we have this opportunity what do I do to make this happen? What are kind of, I know this is a massive broad question that could go a million different ways and a million different use cases, but do you have any advice that you would specifically give folks outside of it? It sounds like, you know, make sure you're identifying the problem and how this data is going to actually connect to improving your business. We'll just leave it kind of high at that. But is there anything else you'd share with a business who's really going to start taking, deriving value from data as a product? Um, what those first steps would be, what you'd recommend making, you know, what's your checklist for that, for lack of a better term? Yeah, you said it, start with the problem, right? Or the opportunity and figure out how does data fit into that? And then, and what role does data play and, and how significant of a role? Um, and then I, I would then think about it, what do you have all the data that you need to then solve that problem? 
If not, how are you going to get the data, right? Where are your, where are your gaps, right? Where are your data gaps and your data footprint? Um, how are you getting that data? Is that data experiential by users and customers? And are the, the, essentially what they're doing and you watching what they're doing, is that your data feed? Do you get the data feed or at least some part of it out of operations? And, and how, do you, how do you then capture that, right? So what are your data, what are your inputs and how do you capture it properly and, and adequately? And then, and then how do you, how do you monetize it or how is solving those problems and facilitating a better customer experience or your operational internal improvements? Is that enough to monetize it? Or are you going to monetize the data and and leveraging data smarter and better? Are you going to monetize it in different ways? And to that end, does it change your business model, right? Because what happens, especially with a lot of software companies, they start out, you know, with their business model because they don't have a big data footprint yet. They start out, and this is true for Amazon, and this is true for, you know, for lots of companies. They start out monetizing the software through subscription, right, to the software. And then what happens over time is they can then migrate away from that being their business model to their business model being sort of a data monetization business model that takes them into areas that they never even would have been able to predict at the beginning. And so it's also being open to where is this going to take us and what do we look like as a company three and five and 10 years from now versus where are we today? And being open to that evolution of being a very different company that monetizes different things in the future than the way you monetize monetize things today. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point that, yeah, it's not just simply view this as data as a supplemental product or data as something else that you're going to add into everything else you're already doing. Yeah, that's how you might start with it. And you might start incorporating this into, we'll call it your existing, you know, revenue streams, but being open to how this could truly revolutionize your business. You've given us some great examples today of how many, many different industries, and we could go through, I think, as you mentioned, nearly every industry and come up with the use case as for, you know, to how this could be applied. Um, and then probably find some examples of companies that are already doing it in that space. Um, so I think that's great advice to really, uh, keep an open mind, obviously go for a problem, um, um, yeah, get away from the, again, I'm going to collect everything without knowing the problem because I, you do all that and you realize you're still missing that one thing that really matters the most and you haven't been capturing data on it. Um, you have this false sense of security from that massive database or data warehouse or whatever you have behind the scenes. Um, I, all excellent points, Ryan, anything else you want to leave us with today as we, uh, before we wrap up the episode, or you want to share with the folks at home? Uh, you know, I would just say in, in closing that, that, um, if you were, if you're gathering data and you're amassing data, then, you know, uh, operationalize it to the greatest extent you can and, and try to associate it to problems and outcomes. And, um, if you're not capturing data, now is probably the, now is probably the time to start, but don't start just to capture data, right? Start with the problems, start with the outcomes and then build your data sort of plan and approach based upon, you know, where, where the, what the business needs are, not just to, to, capture data to, for the sake of capturing it. Absolutely. makes total sense. Ryan, thank you so, so, so much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. Um, you shared a lot of great insights, giving us some great expertise into data as a product for all you out there listening. Um, really encourage you to take what Ryan shared with us today to heart and figure out how within your business, 
um, what opportunities you're missing, maybe even identify some of the places you're capturing that data that isn't going anywhere, um, that isn't actually driving towards, uh, you know, bettering your company. Um, but to really start considering yourself as a data company, using data as a product. And you are, if you're listening to this, if you, if you are in a business, you are in a data as a product business. Um, and if you're not there today, figure out what steps you need to take to make that happen. So Brian, thank you again so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, folks, this is another episode of Diving Into Data. Again, data as a product with our guest, Ryan Frederick. Until next time, see ya. See ya.